still there oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah i didn't leave <laughs> doesn't it just feel good to be like in yeah like i feel like i'm locked into this like we're like in each other's head yeah you know I mean? <laughs> that's what i like about it um yeah pardon my like jank podcast setup it's uh no it's beautiful we're back yeah it, it's i love it thank you yeah Damn. i mean to Whoever doesn't know, uh, it's beautiful. There's grass. Uh, there's a comfy couch. And um, salsa. We're in the log cabin. It's honestly incredible. Thanks, bro. But the reason that I'm kind of like, you know, making fun of myself is because the setup is not pro pro right now. It's like, you know, not, it could be better. Yeah, I, I, I get how you feel. I but, get we're, how you feel. but we're back. Yeah. And like, no, but like, honestly, to everyone out there who's just like, you don't need good shit. Yeah. I got like a shitty mic and it's cool. It works. You can yeah. hear us, right? Everyone? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> How's that salsa? Is it good? Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Very good. I don't want to like munch on it on the mic, but like, it's really good. Get some ASMR yeah. munching. Shouts out to Andy. Yeah, shout out my girlfriend, Andy. She's a gem. Yeah. <laughs> also, the weed for whenever we're ready. I know. I feel like I'm trying not to like munch on the mic and like drink on the mic, but the, like. I'm going to do yeah, a sip. Jerry's got the setup. Oh, cheers. Uh, good to have you, man. Honestly, in the beer. future, we'll do like video stuff, but for right now, you just get to hear sexy voices. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't really start this in any like particular way, but sometimes I start with an icebreaker question and you know, it's pretty hard hitting. Yeah. But the question is, what was your first concert? Oh, that's tough. But I will say, um, I sure. I think it was Blink 182 actually. Nice. Yeah. When I was in um, uh, middle school, actually, my friend was going with his family. Uh, my friend Evan, also known as Cynical and Frivolous. Shouts out producer to. Producer name? Uh, his producer name uh, is Kid Garbage, but uh, Cynical and Frivolous, uh, Frivolous on Instagram. Check him out, y'all. He's pretty dope. Uh, but yeah, no, we went to a Blink-182 concert in like 7th or 8th grade, and it changed my world, like entire world. I was like, whoa. Did you consider yourself like a music aficionado before that, or did this open the door? I think, so I think at that time, actually, I was in... Um, 
a band with um ah oh, my memories are coming back yeah i was in a band with evan and a couple other kids uh, uh from middle school we called ourselves black pacific mm. we thought it was so edgy and cool um but really it was just a name that sounded okay was that like one of those names that like gets scrambled into one of those like name generators yeah, like one of those things like we just went online googled a bunch of stuff and like like I know Childish Gambino used mm-hmm. a Wu-Tang Clan uh, generator. Right. He did something similar, I think. Something like that, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Blink-182 was my first concert. It's a good time. Wait, what was the band name again? Black Ocean? <laughs> Black Pacific. <laughs> and I, I only know this because I was going through, uh, I'm packing up, uh, uh, moving to another apartment, and I was going through, like, old stuff, and I found... No. An OG t-shirt for the band and I was like, "Whoa, I still have it." Whoa. Yeah, it was it was made by my buddy Danny, uh Danny McNeese, uh who's Bob Lemon's brother. Uh yeah, no, it's straight memories. Some good times. Shout out Bob Lemon. We'll definitely be Shout talking <laughs> talking about that. Shouts out Bob Lemon. Shouts out Danny. Yeah. So many shouts out. Oh, damn. You got to do the shout outs. Yeah. Because you know? no, like, then when they listen to it, they're like, hey, that's me. <laughs> you know? It's fun that way. But like, so, oh, what was I going to say about that? There's something like band names. I don't know. But okay, cool. So I kind of want to get into like the, the story of Austin because oh. this is like the chance to do that. Like, I'm yeah. not just like when I see you in public, I'm like, so tell me about when you were 12. Like, <laughs> you know, like, we don't do that. I could. Honestly, we got a good... Yeah, we got some good banter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm curious, like, when did you start producing? What was, like, the leap? Like, what got you into it? So I'm not I'm not going to lie. It was, like, at a similar time, probably right after I saw Blink-182, uh, I was really close with uh, Danny, uh, Danny McNeese, who's Bob Lemon's brother. And uh, Danny was actually making music on this program called like Magic's Music Maker. Bro, I've never heard of that. Exactly. Like no one's ever heard of it. Is that like Kid Picks, but for like music? It was like some kind of very lo-fi, just bare minimum producer setup and you could kind of throw some some loops in there um mix a little bit and i remember i went over to uh his house one time and he showed me something he was working on and i was like whoa and then at that time you know i I found out that uh, his brother charlie uh bob lemon was working on music as well and then through that i kind of like really got into producing so probably like uh like 2010 2011 Mm-hmm. It's been a hot minute. Yeah, that's like a good ten years. Yeah, it's been a while. I was making some weird music back back then, though. So, yeah, actually, I remember what I was going to say before. Is like I've talked about this with one of my friends, and it's there's like those ancient projects that you had yeah. from the start, where it's like, yo, we're gonna make a beat out of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fat. Oh, shit. <laughs> that's a fatty eight oh eight. No, um, but what I was saying is just that, like, you go back to these ancient projects, and you're like, 
what in God was I doing? And for me, I don't have them. Like, I kind of wish I had them. But honestly, I feel like it's pro- you're probably better off just yeah leaving those in the dark. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Yeah, they're out there, though. Like, yeah. Yeah, they're out there. Honestly, I you have... You had a couple names. Yeah. <laughs> a few different names. Well, it, yeah. No, and this stuff, like, I, I feel like I don't know how to take down as, as well. It's just like, um, yeah, with making music that long, you just kind of, like, forget where you put it, where you uploaded it. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's oh, on, like, three different computers. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I put it on that YouTube channel. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. So I actually didn't even really introduce you as your producer name. Can you tell us what that is? Yo, what's up, y'all? I'm uh, <laughs> Austin. Uh, I go by Dada right now. It's kind of like a pseudonym. In my head, it, it it's, a, it's a lazy way of just kind of uh, saying Austin. But in my head, it's just like, oh, it's kind of like Dada, kind of like Tada, but, you know, oh. just like Dada. That's interesting. Not, like cool playing words. I didn't know that. But I've gone by a bunch of different names. Uh, like you know, my own name. I had uh, DJ Gavin, um, Chris Cloud spelled with a C, and then I spelled it with a K for a bit. Um, and now I'm on Dada, and this will be the final form. The final form. Okay. Yeah. So were the other names were you producing anything specific under them or is it just oh it's it's just been a like a fluid thing just a a mesh of all types of music i was making i will say when i was making music at the very beginning it was mostly happy hardcore music oh okay like uk kind of inspired hardcore music because there is a believe it or not it's it's wild there was a a vibrant, happy hardcore scene. Yeah. In the Detroit metro area. Interesting. So, like, I know Willie Joy. Okay. That's his name. And he's got a podcast. He interviews some some big names. But he always talks about how in the start, he was into happy hardcore, too. Yeah. And that's kind of just, like, it, it, it's, like, foreign. Floor. It's kind of, like, 90s, like. Yeah. Do, do, do. Kind of like Aqua, right? Or like, but like not, but like harder. I don't know. It's, there's, and there's no way to dance to it. You just have to pump your fists. Is it like those guys um, when they're like in under the underpass and they're just like, do, do, yeah. and they're just doing that like weird dance? It's that, yeah, the the straight drum, uh, drum and bass kind of vibe. Uh, kind of a little bit uh, a jungle, mm. kind of. So it's breakbeat. I was more four on the floor hardcore, but okay. uh, when I discovered breakbeat hardcore, I was like, "What? <laughs> this is there's, my thing." There's more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah, that was uh, uh, when I was growing up. A bunch of, of friends that I knew. Um, they, I mean, they had this this really cool collective. Uh, they called it like Viva La Raver. This was Bob Lemon, who at the time was going by, uh, I don't know what he was going by at that time, but it was Bob Lemon, um, Alex Trimmer, uh, who went by the name uh, Cat Like Thief, uh, Ecstasy, who's uh, Matt Letterer, uh, 
DJ KC, which was uh, Kevin Karens, and uh, they were just they would do these like CD compilations, and they throw these wild uh, parties in their garages. And the first party I went to was like they called it "Get Smacked," mm. uh, and it was just so funny inviting or ta- like talking to people about it because you'd walk up to them and be like, "Hey, you going to get smacked?" And <laughs> you're gonna get smacked. It, it it was like such a funny play on words, but. They did a real, like, really good job of promoting it and creating like this just wild atmosphere. Um, but it was mostly happy hardcore music at mm. those kind of events. Because mm. um, Cat Like Thief was uh, heavily influenced. Uh, honestly, like, made some absolutely incredible uh, hardcore music. But I think he had a really big influence on that scene. It was cool to watch just growing up in that. Yeah. And so this is in Detroit. Yeah, like right outside of Detroit. Uh, we I lived in like Farmington, like 15, 20 minutes outside of the city. Shout out Farmington. Shouts out Farmington. Let's go. <laughs> Just like as many shout outs as possible. I, <laughs> shout out. Nice weather. No. Um, <laughs> all right. So we'll get off the the. Tr- trajectory the the storyline of austin soon but i'm curious like what was like the first break the first like oh shit i'm actually doing this moment oh wow because we all kind of have that moment i mean i don't know unless you're from like a music musical family and you're just like yeah like i've i got perfect pitch and like i'm just like yeah know what i'm doing from the get-go but like you know, it's there's a moment sometimes, and I remember having it where I made a track and I was like, "Damn, this is like legit." Whoa, yeah, honestly, I can't. I can think of like later moments where I was like, "Oh, that that was that was a big accomplishment." Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think, I think there was a point where I was like really messing around with uh, uh, music. Um, I was mixing some. Um, some happy hardcore music. I th- actually, I think I showed um, Bob Lemon, and this I might have been in middle school at the time. But you know, I had uh, Bob Lemon listen to it, uh, and uh, Danny listened to it as well, and a couple other friends. And they were like, "This is really good. Like the piano mm-hmm. structure is great." But the comments they had were like, "The mixing could really improve. You know, it doesn't sound great." Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I must have been like. 13 or 14 at the time maybe a little a little like younger um but it was like one of those moments where some of my peers were like hey this this isn't bad yeah you could uh it, it doesn't sound uh like it's terrible music anymore yeah yeah i feel like it, i've forgotten so much at those beginning years you know for sure I mean? yeah the it's beginning like years, yeah you forget it's like it's hard to remember. Well, like, you've all done the way back. you've done some cool shit. Like you, you know, that what we were talking about before we got live, which was the the trap and bass. Yeah, Shots release. Trap and bass. That was also a long time ago. But that is a cool. Like I remember trap and bass was the shit back in the day. Yeah, that was like that's fast forward to when I was a freshman in college, yeah. um, and. I was at Marquette University, and within that group, um, and kind of that that scene with uh, Bob Lemon and all those other people, um, there was this rapper, uh, 
Sean Clark, who went by the name of uh, Scotty Panic at the time. Shout out Scotty Panic. Shout out Scotty Panic. We had just kind of made some music and recorded some stuff over uh, just a long while. And, and honestly, I kind of made two variations of the same song. Um, and I created a grimy glitch hop tune. We called it uh, Liberation. That never saw the light of day. But then I made a trap version of it called Cashmere Sweater. And I pitched it to um, this, uh, yeah, Trap and Bass, this blog to premiere it uh, as a, a freshman in college. And they were like, yo, this is pretty dank. We'll, we'll uh, upload it to our SoundCloud. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. And I, I hadn't talked to, to Scotty in, in like a bit at that point. And I remember reaching out to Scotty. And it was like, yo, we got a premiere. And he was yeah. just like, whoa. Like, what? It was, it was honestly the coolest feeling to just like hit up Scotty Panic to be like, hey, yo, we got a thing. Yeah. So like Trap and Bass was like UKF for yeah. trap music. Or like, what was the other one? All tra- Trap City? Or like, oh, yeah. There was, yeah. It was like, that was like the days of Mr. Suicide Sheep and like mm-hmm. the YouTube blogs and the SoundCloud. Like the channels on SoundCloud, SoundCloud that it was like just the Glitch Hop channel or like the right. House channel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Future Bass. Yeah. That was, that was a little later. And you would but just, yeah. you'd get a premiere on one of those and that would just be like groundbreaking for a producer. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was kind of, that was a huge achievement that... That was like one of the moments where it's like, oh, okay, on top of like some of my friends and my homies being like, this is decent music. You know, people who are deep into the music were like, hey, this is like not too bad. That hmm. was like, a, that was also pretty good. That's a compliment. Like, hey, this isn't bad. Yeah. It was like, I mean, I still need to improve on, I didn't know how to mix. I look back on it now and I mixed it all and, and made it all in mono. Mm-hmm. I didn't know oh. what stereo meant at oh. that time. Uh, and you listen to uh, the song on speakers now, and it just like oh, like oh, I would change so many things. But I just I was yeah. into the composition at that time and kind of making the vocals really prominent and come out. I mean, Scotty Panic had some of the verses on there and the the rap uh, that he put together. Um, I it spoke to me so much that I actually made those two versions of the song. Uh, all around his vocals. So, like, I started with the first thing in the project file is his vocals. And mm. I, I, I built everything around it, mm. which is, like, weird. Uh, I know, like, some people start with drums and chords. Like, I was just vocals. And then... I mean, it, yeah, I feel like there's a, you know, a million ways to yeah. start a song. I mean, now I do drums and chords, but like it was one of those things that spoke to me so much. I was like, oh, yeah, I can hear it in my head. Sometimes it's nice when you have like a verse chorus laid out just perfect as like, but like in in the vocals, you know, it's like already there and you're just like, okay, I just got to like match the key type of thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, it was all. And honestly, like shouts out to Scotty Panic because it was all there. The. Mm -hmm. Uh, the rap was such an incredible rap that it was just like, oh, I just need to make the beat. Because um, I, I made two beats with it. Um, but yeah, no, that was yeah, that was a time. That was a time. Well, so you've mentioned a few of your homies and like one that has stood out is Bob Lemon. Yeah. 
and I'd like to talk a little bit about that. You have some songs with him that you're going to share. Yes. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna play music at some point here, but I really do enjoy just the yeah. the chit chat. So maybe just explain a little bit about like how you've gone forward with Bob and because um, you know you've known him for a long time, but like you know your paths have crossed musically and oh, yeah. music business. Lee. It uh, honestly, I, I feel like it was at a point where I like I looked up to a lot of these guys just growing up, um, like just kind of seeing them do music. I was like, oh, whoa, that is the coolest thing ever. Um, and then there was a point where I moved to Chicago um, to pursue more of a music business kind of career. Um, and I went home to Michigan and visited a. Uh, uh, Bob Lemon and uh, you know uh, Danny as well, and Bob showed me like some of the singles he was working on, some of the uh, songs he was, said he was going to put out a, a debut album, and I was like, "Yo, this is hot! Like I'm yeah. studying to do this. I would like to kind of help you out to do this." And uh, I mean, I was new to it all, but you know, like I basically started managing him for uh, a couple years and. It was truly just like a learning process, and one I just wanted to support the homie. Um, yeah, get him because uh, he was such a big, such a big influence growing up. As were the other guys as well. Uh, I just wanted to help in any way that I could. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was. You know, I took the business, uh, uh, business managerial side for about two years for Bob, and that was incredible. And now fast forward to. Um, now hopping back into the creative side and working on some some tunes with them yeah i feel like this is a good transition to play one of those yeah yeah let's do that all of the time we spent together in our prime we were birds of a feather different kind we were laughing through the pain you were never once so I've known um, Bob Lemon for so long, but he'll do these things like production-wise, and I'm just like, what? This is so cool. How did you do this? What? Uh, and uh, to him, you know, maybe it's just a simple thing, but I'm just hearing this now uh, and originally sending them st the stems up. I'm like, what? This was not in the original. <laughs> well, what is this? You added some cool elements, sir. <laughs> curious with the whole like 
stuff that might not have made it in the track is that for you when you guys are working on stuff or is that for like even for like a spotify release like you know 30 seconds later or whatever oh yeah open that beer <laughs> open that beer baby um is it still that extra stuff that he like leaves in is that for the actual release or is that just for you when you guys are working on stuff? it's kind of like uh uh more like placeholder stuff i mm. in uh hopefully i'm not speaking out of turn you know bob Lemon can definitely sure. speak for himself but for, you know when i'm working on stuff too it's uh, you know, I'll do that same thing where I'll put it at the very end and I'll only export bars one through, you know, 100. And at bar 140 to 170, there's just this wild piece. It's like a of, whole different song. Yeah, it's a whole different song. Like, you've just completely remade it. Uh, but it's just, you know, funny. Like, working with Bob Lemon uh, and just listening to his music this long, it's... Uh, it's incredible the gems that uh, he has that has not seen the light of day. Well, the reason that I was curious about that is because what if you released a song that was like seven minutes, but it was only really like four, but like there's, or maybe not seven minutes, but like there's like a minute of dead space and then it goes into another track because oh. like for, for, for royalties and stuff because you get more money for a longer track. Do you? I think so. Like I think if your track is over a certain length, oh. it's you. It's more money opposed to like a one minute track or something. Oh, this is news to me. I thought they just paid out after the thirty second mark or something like that. Oh, see, that might just be the way. I, I don't know. I thought that there was something for that might be true that though. I, I honestly, streaming has changed so much over the course of the past couple of years. Yeah. I don't. And it continues to change. Yeah, like Spotify and Apple Music are like, well, we'll do this thing. But last time I, I honestly, it, it, last time I checked and kind of looked up stuff, it it almost seemed like artists were making shorter songs. Yeah. And uh, I think Kanye West had a, had a quote about something like that. Or maybe it wasn't a song. Like a song only needs to be like two minutes and 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. uh, and like the album thing, like yeah. just give us your best you don't have to have a bunch of filler stuff yeah and it's uh i don't know how the uh, distributors uh, distributors and streaming uh platforms pay out initially like on on the length but from a listener standpoint i feel like shorter is becoming more of a norm uh commercially i i don't think long is a good thing but the listeners love it and that's that's the thing personally i like long i was listening to this whole thing about how like you know people want longer songs basically yeah but like list from the listener standpoint yeah we're just getting shorter and shorter and yeah i don't know man it's like i and i think it's more from a commercial standpoint because i think it's more of the companies who are pushing for the the shorter format because you know they might be cutting corners to produce something that's uh not as long and, and paying for something that's not as long because they only want to make x amount of their money back uh, whereas you make a longer song uh you might not get a good short-term 
uh, investment back, but the long term definitely pays off. But it seems like record labels don't really have long term investments into music. Because um, music doesn't really, depending on the label, it seems as though labels aren't really long term things. It's a very short term, like you make your royalties and then um, a lot of songs have. Some songs have long-term value uh, if they're done very well, but uh, some songs will fade into the existence. Mm. Uh, we're getting so philosophical here. Shit. No, I like it. Yeah, it's like... A, a, and again, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn because I only know bits and pieces of this. And I put more of the creative hat on as of recently, so the business side is a bit less, uh, you know... Like engaging or like interesting to you? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I guess I'm looking more towards like as a listener, like you were saying, like longer songs. I do think the listener likes better, and I think you will get a better payoff from that, um, both from your fan base and from uh, you know payoff. Yeah, I was just I was listening to something that was like it's not even like kids these days. Kids these days. Kids, but like. They're not as interested in music, and that's yeah because of just the industry more so. It's not it's not like their fault that they're not as interested. It's just that the way that the business and stuff is set up, like back in the day, yeah, whatever back in the day, like you know, <laughs> in the seventies and whatever, like have you own records and you'd go to your friend's house and you'd be like, what records do you have? And you'd have to listen to whatever you had. And now it's not as sacred. Yeah. And for better or for worse, it's just a different game. And I, I, it almost seems like we're going back to the start. I know this is like, yeah, like streaming is so popular right now, but it's almost like songs have shortened themselves so much because I guess I bring up the the shortening of songs like because the TikTok thing. Yeah, I mean, you read my mind thinking about that, and um, to my knowledge, I think for for um, you know, I want to say like Insta- Instagram music and um, uh, potentially TikTok, the payoff for something like that because TikTok, uh, yeah, what's the length on that for? I mean, aren't they I guess sixty seconds at most? I don't. I don't. I don't use TikTok. I, I My don't either. Yeah. Uses TikTok, okay. but like some videos seem to be long. Like We're like sixty such sec- dinosaurs. I, I some videos are longer than others. Kids these days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I don't know. It's like everything's so fucking. Well, but yeah, what we're gonna say about it, shorter. In so Instagram and TikTok, they basically pay up, pay for the use of that song, and so. Uh, I guess I'm equating the shorter length to artists and and labels and uh, really on the commercial side, the people with the business hats being like, all right, well, we're going to distribute music mostly on TikTok and Instagram music. And they have only so much space that you can really release this music on a video for. So we're just going to make it shorter. Yeah. Because there's no, uh, they're not trying to expand the business model. Um, Towards more than the payoff from that viral, yeah, exactly. it's all about like virality. It's like it's yeah. like 
how crazy can this be in like this amount of time or how effective yeah. can it be at evoking this emotion in this amount of time? Can we trend this on TikTok today? Great. Yeah. Cool. It's done. Yeah. And it's like, like we've all heard that song that like on Spotify too, you know, there's songs with billions of plays that you've never heard of. It, um, Dude, it amazes I, me. I, so I was listening to a great podcast by uh, Rick Beato. He's a uh, music YouTube guy and he had this guy on, and the guy was talking about how basically Spotify headquarters is like, um, it's like a Scandinavian country. I forget which one. But it's filled with tons of artists from the area on these playlists that no one knows that have tons and tons of plays. So like, if we want to get into the conspiracy theory Ooh side of music which i love to do put our tinfoil hats on like talk a little bit about like what the music business is potentially actually doing like it's this like closed system we like don't know yeah what's going on fully it's a yeah i'm like three beers in and we're going straight into the tinfoil hat we need to go in oh well, yeah. and I, I don't want to throw shade too much on, on Spotify and Apple Music because they support and they do some incredible stuff. But, you know, anyone listening, definitely check out the history of the really the early days of Spotify because uh, they have some interesting things about them that... Uh, Wait, do tell because I don't... I'm not fully savvy. This is going to be on Spotify. <laughs> and I'm not like... Joe Rogan over here with like yeah, a deal. Like know, they could easily demonetize us, but fuck it, let's go, baby. Well, shouts out to uh, the CEO of Spotify. I, I think uh, I don't know his name. Uh, great person. And this might be one of the things that there could have been some employees who were doing these things to to cut corners to kind of make it easier to get a better leg up in the market. But the early days of Spotify were really tough in streaming because, you know, I think. I want to say, let me pull up my computer and get some some we notes here. We need the here. keys, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keys, get on it. Okay, so Spotify, because I, I don't want to say it yet without knowing some details. Um, Spotify started by Daniel Eck back in... Oh, 2006. Wow, that's a lot earlier than I thought. So... When was Netflix started? Was that before? When did they start streaming? Well, they started... 97. When did they start streaming? They started with, like, mail. Like, you'd, like, pick up movies in the mail. Yeah, so I want to say... Netflix and Spotify are similar in the closed loop in the In the streaming model. And I guess I'm bringing this up in in the sense that... So Spotify was started in 2006. Streaming wasn't really big then. Um... That was a time in the music industry where uh, Napster just kind of took the industry. It just killed over the entire industry, uh, like pirating music and all of that. Um, And there are a lot of uh, um, people who've discussed this online. There are a couple articles who've talked about this. I think there's a really great book about uh, the early days of Spotify. But uh, Spotify, to my knowledge... Definitely check it out, link it, uh, uh, Google it. But they would mirror uh, Pirate Bay songs. Like what was popular? Torrented music. And Uh so 
there's a couple bands who were kind of they were starting out at the time. Um, let me find I, the actual. I love the clicking and clacking. That like <laughs> really solidifies what we're doing. <laughs> Let's see if I can actually. Yeah, so there's a great Gizmodo article published on in 2017. Early Spotify was built on pirated MP3 files, new book claims. Well, it, it was one of those things where um, to get some of the big artists to hop on Spotify and basically give up their uh, music to Spotify to be like, hey, we'll pay you out royalties if you let us put it on the platform. Uh, and it was a hard sell at that time for artists who were still making decent money. But they were getting ripped off by pirating. And that was one of the things that they were trying to get their leg up to be like, we have some music. Uh, and this came to light because, uh, to my knowledge, I'm kind of just scanning through the article. Uh, it was the metadata in the torrented MP3 files. Like it would say some of the, you know, the, the uh, piraters or, uh, you know, team, you know, whatever, who would yeah. torrent the, yeah, like all, all those people. And you'd see in the get info of the file or, you know, the artist or on the album, like just something that was a little off. And I believe an artist who actually had not uploaded their music to Spotify found their music on Spotify. And they were like, what? And this was a, a, a independent artist. Mm. And so, really interesting at the very beginning of Spotify. I mean, they've definitely changed their business model. Uh, they've done a lot of great things. I'm not trying to rip on Spotify. But it's just something to note that in the very beginning, streaming was not a hard sell for artists. Uh, neither was it for Netflix as well. Was not a hard sell, gotcha. Like, it, it radio was still paying out more, um, even though... Um, you know, Napster kind of like kicked music uh, on its ass. Uh, you'd still make a lot more getting your music played on the radio. But, uh, I mean, the industry has just changed so much. Now we can, uh, now like the United States specifically is super into just streaming. And I want to say, let's pull it's up the... so convenient. Let's pull up the RIAA stats too. Because it is wild. Yeah, convenient, 100%. But they really flipped it because before, like Napster was convenient, and then they like took the bull by the horns, and people don't really, people don't see the need to pirate music now. It's too easy to just be like, I don't know, pay like seven dollars or something for Spotify. Yeah, and here I'm gonna. They don't uh, have everything though. I'm gonna get the name of this book for anyone who wants to uh, kind of read it. Do you use Spotify or Apple Music? Or oh, Spotify. just SoundCloud. <laughs> Spotify all the way. I know. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes, dude, the app is trash sometimes. Like, it, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, you'll be watching something. It's because they're trying to integrate the video stuff, and it's not there yet. Ooh. I, yeah. if, um, so just so we have a yeah. source so we don't get in trouble with Spotify, uh, check out Rasmus uh, Flesher. Uh, that's the author of kind of all this stuff. And they, they've dug up all the info on kind of the, the pirate. What's Bay the book torn? Uh, looks like, 
uh, Spotify teardown inside the black box of streaming music. Uh, they kind of break down all this stuff. And I read this a long time ago, so I'm just kind of... Can we talk about Swedish House Mafia really quick? Oh, yeah. yeah. Can we just quickly? Yeah. First of yeah. all, I saw that they're doing a collaboration with Ikea, which like you know that stuff's going to sell. Yeah, so like just wild. as an investor, it's probably worth hopping on. They're making like a desk. They're making a record player. I saw this Sting? thing. Like what? Dude, I saw this thing that they have like a teenage engineering. Actually, I don't remember if it's a preamp or like it's like a controller or something, but they collaborated with teenage engineering, you know, like the legendary OP1. Oh, yeah. The dun 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah, oh. you are the one. Yeah, that'd be. Dun, 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 dun. Everybody, hands up! <laughs> I want to see your hands in the fucking sky. Like, you know how to? Have you seen the Swedish House Mafia documentary? No. You no. know, like the main guy. I mean, who would you classify as the main guy? I honestly, is it? Is it Axwell? I. Is I feel like grosser? he's like a little bit bigger than the other guys. The other guys are like skinny. I I don't know who's all in it to be honest. Bro, is Alesso in it? Like, we are gonna look. I back. think it is. We're gonna look. Everyone back. listening, Sebastian like, and Grosso is he? I think it's Sebastian and Grosso is one of them. I thought Axwell was in it, but maybe, yeah, okay, Axwell, Steve, Steve and Jello, and Sebastian and Grosso. Oh yeah, uh, we, yeah. Alesso we, was a fail though. Alesso is a different thing. Oh. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> hey, hey, anyway, hey. wait, wait, wait. Well, it was Steve and Jello, though. Is that Dude, the main like, Hold on, let me see. What do they look like? That guy. Sebastian Grosso. Okay, yeah, I think that's him. But he just has this part in it where he's just like, we're going to go out there. I'm going to play the drums. Like, he was just so hype. And I'm like, bro, this is a good documentary. Like, Yo, Eric uh, uh, Preeds was in it, too. I forgot about that. Prada. Yeah. The Great. Oh, is it Prida? Well, he's got he's Eric Prids and Prida. Prids, okay, Prida. Prids. I know the the o truly like the OG of like he graduated from that. He's like, oh, this is I don't need music. <laughs> he graduated from just making music. I did he? Is he still making music? No, I don't know, but no, yeah, I think so. I know I don't want to throw any of these out of shade because like I love them all. I love yeah, no, Spotify no. too. There's no shade, but also I remember you were over here one time when we were talking and we were like, kind of about to go tinfoil hat. What's well, it's just uh, Swedish House Mafia is just like huge, and uh, I just have questions like, yo, like, how does one become such a global phenomenon that is Swedish House Mafia? And I, I guess I just think like. I mean, their name is Mafia. Like, are y'all a mafia? <laughs> <laughs> is it in the name? No, is I, the like, clue in the name? Yeah, I don't. I don't want to go like too. We don't have to go deep. Well. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just like a. They're the, I would say Swedish House Mafia is the new, um, Avicii. Like they are that level of. They're like the. The uh, artists that people point to to be like, oh, that's EDM. That's electronic dance music. You know what I mean? It's like mm. when people thought EDM back in you know back back in the old days. <laughs> back in the old. Days. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would be Avicii. You know, it'd just be like levels, right? Uh, but Swedish House Mafia was obviously you know top house, but it was more of a 
they were more of a definitely established all all three of them all four of them at the time uh but you had to have known the scene to be like oh those are the top house acts of the scene for sure but now they've kind of established themselves as like the well i feel like zed oh was that what i mean yeah, and, and Zed is Zed's fucking rich, bro. Yeah, I mean Zed made made some really great money off of his. Uh, uh, honestly, I mean I'm, I don't know what his contract was like, so I, I would assume that's true. Yeah, I would assume he made some really great money off of his. I saw his house tour one time. You know those good? houses where like the door is like twenty feet high, and it's just like Jesus a glass God. door, and you're just like, yeah, come into my house. Like it's in, it's crazy. Yeah, it's just it fascinates me but because he cracked the code kind of on like the pop mixed with EDM too. Yeah, maybe he didn't crack the code, but I'm saying he did a really good job. Like he had a bunch of hits. Like my mom knows who Zed is. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I don't think she knows who Sweet Swedish House Mafia is. Really? Okay. I don't think so. I mean, like I don't. I'm I, trying to. Does Swedish House Mafia have any songs on the radio? That would be the only way she would know. I'll say, and I guess I'll preface my statement about them being like the, basically the the Avicii of today's age is that this, I believe this next tour that they're currently doing right now is going to establish them as that. Uh, and so I, I know that, hmm. I want to say their tour is, is pretty much sold out in most cities. If not, they've, they're probably Dude, doing really well. I saw a details. picture of their stage. It's probably they're probably it doing looks, arenas, right? It looks fucking sick. Yeah, it, it's they're just at incredible levels, um, and they're working with uh, like Zed found a really good medium with like EDM and pop, and uh, Swedish House Mafia is doing like a really good mix of click click clack click clack a really good mix of like EDM and just like pop music. Like they they had a song with uh, the Weekend. Uh, I mean the weekend, but the weekend already did songs with Daft Punk, so it's just like true, you know. Uh, let's see, ASAP Rocky. I like this whole Paradise Again is such a good album, and that's why it's like. Have you? Sorry, have you seen them? That no, honestly, I haven't. No, I've seen Skrillex before, though. That was like one. Skrillex was one of the first Skrilly? artists I saw back in the day when I was getting into music. Before Skrillex was like. You know, dude, like Skrillex. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's had a bunch of different eras too, like Jack U and oh yeah, Dog Blood too. Oh yeah, actually, I do. I think I saw Dog Blood too, but Mm -hmm. I haven't seen Jack U. Jack U like came and went, but everything off that album was crazy too. Such a banger. I mean, yeah. That uh, album is sick. Uh, I remember I saw them at Spring Awakening in Chicago, and to get in that arena and like get up close was pandemonium. Like it was just yeah, there yeah. were so many people. Yeah. Like it didn't matter how good you were at like getting through the crowd. It's like <laughs> it was set on hard mode. Yeah, and it was just either not peeing your pants or trying to get out. Yeah, exactly. Because like if you, you were there, and now you're like there for two hours about to be front row but you're dying yeah like completely stuck there forever yeah festival season yo how was movement uh shout out to movement yeah shout out shouts out to detroit i mean that is just one of the best scenes out there um 
like Chicago's great. I love Chicago. Don't get me wrong, but Detroit has like one of the best underground music scenes I've, I've ever. Um, I mean, I grew up with it, so I, I can't really compare it to much. But it's just one of those things where uh, it's not a super flashy festival. It's it's not like a. Where is it at? Is that like a warehouse? Oh, it's in. Um, oh wow, I'm blanking on um, Hart Plaza. It's a, a downtown. Detroit, uh, it's right off the water, super scenic, and they have like these really cool stage setups where uh, it's like you know the main stage. Uh, my favorite is the underground stage. They just pack this area into like this basement concrete place. Uh, Ooh. It's so grungy. That sounds like my jam. It, it's like just an absolute vibe, and I, I remember. And what kind of music? Oh, it ranges. It's just like, is it a lot of techno? It's, I mean, Movement is really good at, like, because I saw, first time I saw Skrillex was at Movement. Really? Yeah, way back in the day. Um, and I saw actually Grizz uh, sure. way back in the day at Movement. And, uh, you know, Grizz, Grizz will probably never hear this. But if he does, shouts out Grizz, you pretty dope. Oh, no. Uh, I remember seeing Grizz at... Uh, yeah, at uh, the underground stage at uh, Movement. And I think he was still trying to kind of figure out his setup because uh, he was still coming up in the uh, music scene. Still, He was really big in Detroit, but uh, he actually broke his uh, his sound cut off in the middle of his set. And there's this point where I want to say there's a good five-minute, ten-minute gap where there was no music playing. And it was me and my buddy, uh, 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 Lely. We were just kind of like, we'll stay we love you, Grizz. We'll stay. We'll wait. But, you know, some people had, like, fanned out around me, and they were like, oh, you know. But, like, there were, at that time, people were really vibing with Grizz. Like, he... Yeah. Grizz, like, breathed a, a whole new life into the scene of Detroit, which was wild. Because it was techno, and then Grizz came out, and he was like, I do, like... Motown like funk soul laser beam music. Yeah, like boo, boo, boo. But, but uh funky. Just super funky and um you know, he's done a lot of great things for, you know, the city and the scene that um I I mean, I've seen Grizz so many times at this point. It's just like Grizz is such a huge influence. Grizz was the first time I did ecstasy. Ooh. And we're yeah, yeah we could talk about this. Quite a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to go see Big G and Grizz. Oh, yeah. Shouts for, out Big G. For New Year's Eve at the Aragon Ballroom. Ooh. And that was a great show. Grizz yeah. is sick. Our like crew of people that were into that music were very into Grizz at that time. I bet you stared up at the Aragon Ballroom ceiling forever. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Like if I was on like acid, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean I that I the ceiling at Aragon Ballroom is it just, looks sick. it's gorgeous. It's just like, oh y'all put some time into this. The thing about the Aragon is it's too much of a ballroom. Like it doesn't sound great for bass music. Yeah, I, I've. It, it was a great concert, but I'm just saying, like, I've gone there so many times. Like, I've gone. I've went at, at times. I'm like, this is like you did a really good set. Uh, you know, really good setup and, and sound system. But I, I've noticed that some acts will. You'll notice when some acts will actually bring their own equipment. And uh-huh. bring their own speaker setup. And their guy. Yeah, their guy. The guy's the most important. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, I've been to so many shows where 
you can definitely tell that the band or the artist did not prepare for mm. such a big space and the speaker setup that they have like it, it's not made for that room and the aragon room is like a kind of a hard it's a big room it's big yeah it's it's not meant for it's echoey it's difficult probably to mix and mm, yeah get right i've seen some bad shows there i'm not gonna lie but really good ones sure. like it's the staple of chicago truly yeah one of these days radius is crazy too but the drinks are like insanely expensive have you been there okay we got to get back to movement but i'll just (laughs) i'll just say this about because i got a lot of questions there but like radius is a warehouse i've never heard of radius in like like surmac it's like chinatown basically okay and did it go by a different name uh i think it's newer i think it just like kind of popped up during the pandemic and now it's becoming popular but they booked some big names i just went to go see dj snake there on friday and that was sick oh so they are they the new mid it's like the new mid but the mid was tiny better than the mid. this is like way bigger than the mid and it's interesting they have like bottle service but then there's also tickets so yeah it's kind of mid kind of like kind of mid like well when the mid closed down that kind of left a um a hole in the city it, of Chicago yeah. because that prism, was if you're from Chicago like prism yeah is owned by the same people that own soundbar too radius. right are they all the same I want to say uh, maybe I'm speaking on the I, I think they're those all pretty similar. three places get some of the best yeah the biggest names like they all work with the same promoters or same agency or some agents uh yeah the book but radius is really cool though and I'll say this I went to go see an arc pre-show which is like a techno type of festival i had friends that actually went to movement and they like got tickets to arc because same I don't same know. movement kind of vibes so, yeah something like that and radius had these two rooms open and it was just dude it was just warehouse music techno and like i'm just not as savvy with techno but i love it dude it's i know house better house is house music uh, and techno has its similarities, but it's just a little, uh, I don't want to say it's grungier, but it's just like a little grungier, probably like a little more minimalist, um, uh, very, like uh, more robotic. Yeah. Like, uh, like analog, uh, like analog, uh-huh. analog sounding. Yeah. Like a lot of, uh, um, well, house music, like piano house, it's like all like Korg M1 and like, yeah which was analog at the time i don't know but like house music is um i would say like detroit's more synthesizer based and um house music is probably more like a lot of more piano kind of chords and and um that bass sound do, do, yeah and, and oh yeah the bass donk yeah but the, the m1 dude that fuck that synthesizer it's it's nice anyway yeah well the one thing i've noticed about techno is less snare or clap yeah it's like there'll be techno songs that have no clap and i'm just like fucked up by it but i love it because it's just a heartbeat yeah it's it's more about the kick it's more about like nodding your head and just kind of dancing along with the beat trying to think of like some other big acts but there's a um there's a really good 
article about movement that I suggest anyone listening to. Let me clickety-clack on my keyboard real quick. Uh, It's basically like a a vocal uh, retelling of movement, how it started out. Because it's a wild story. Because it started out in like 99. And at the first one, it was free. And they were like, people say there were millions of people there. Like at least a million people at that. And the city of Detroit was like, whoa, (laughs) what is going on here? Like, we did not expect this. And then, you know, then it started getting some like real commercial interest. Uh, Vocal retelling Detroit Movement Festival. It's gone... um, because it used to be called DEMF, Detroit Electronic Music Festival, but now it's called Movement. Um, oral history of DEMF, I believe. Yeah, here we go. It's on a resident advisor. It's called the Oral History of Detroit's Electronic Music Festival. Really great retelling. It's basically... They tell the story of the festival through quotes from all the artists and, and DJs. Mm. It's just such a, like, by the years, it's just, like, them telling what happens. And you get to hear from all perspectives. And basically, when it started out, it was just, like, the artists themselves putting on the festival, getting the okay from the city of Detroit. And then, eventually, commercial interest started to, like, really pick up. And yeah, people are like, whoa, this is, like, a... This is a thing. Has it gotten shittier? I wouldn't say it's gotten shittier. It's just become more of a commercial kind of event. Mm. Um, now, it's, What's the age? Do you have to be 21 or is it 18 or is it all ages? Oh, it's, I think I want to say it's all ages. Like That's the, how Lollapalooza is, yeah. The after parties are super dope. Like yeah. The after parties are, like you go to movement, dope event, and then... Right. The after parties are like after hours too. And so those after parties will go on to like the wee hours of the morning. Like I ended one of my nights at like 6 a.m. So dope. This year? Yeah, it was honestly incredible. Like it was, <laughs> I, I met this uh, Canadian couple and some other people. Uh, it's pretty funny. We, you know, we obviously just didn't want the night to end. We were just like vibing with everyone. And uh, this Canadian couple was like, just loving being in Detroit. Uh, and I was like, have you seen Belle Isle before? You know, this area in Detroit that's uh, just, you know, kind of a nice park place you can go to. And they're like, no, we should go to Belle Isle right now. Let's give you a good old tour. So I rounded up some other people who I'd met through the night, you know, as we were falling out of the club. And I was like, yo, these people have not seen Belle Isle before. We should go right now. And they're like, uh-huh. all right, my car's right there. I guess we could go. Cool. And we literally drove for like 30 minutes. I, I, the first time I'd really known these people was that night. And we were giving these, uh, this Canadian couple, a, a tr- like a tour of the city, uh, one of the most beautiful spots. But wow, it's, it's such a homey festival. Like you can meet a lot of great people really down to earth. Whereas I feel like in Chicago, you know, there's Lollapalooza. The different set of attractors too. Like it's different artists. Like, yeah, it's a, because that's more of a pop festival. And right. that's... Because uh, I would compare Lollapalooza... Because, like, Lollapalooza is to Chicago. That's kind of like Detroit's Lollapalooza. But it's really... Lollapalooza doesn't have a genre where movement does. Mm-hmm. The fact that it has a genre, that kind of filters out a lot of the... Yeah. I would say the shittiness of a... 
you know, a quote unquote mainstream all genre pop festival. You know what I mean? It's just like mm-hmm. a Yeah, totally. We're gonna do everything. And then it turns out to be There just, was an era where Perry's was just like the spot to be. That's a stage at Lollapalooza where like the electronic artists play. And like I don't know. Don't I'm, I'm, not, I'm just I'm just reminiscing. Yeah, I'm don't That's get me wrong. I'm not trying to throw shade at at Lollapalooza. Yeah. It's just no, no, no. I I feel like it's just a, it's a different thing. It's a and it's movement is just like a staple because it's very genre specific. And if Chicago has a house festival, I guess I don't know about it, but I don't think there is. I feel like we what we both had though was an opportunity to go to, to like a yeah. music festival and see some yeah some dope acts. Like yeah. I remember my friend went to go see or he he went to Lala. And I didn't go, but he was like, dude, yeah, like, I was going to go see Dead Mouse, but I went to go see this guy named Bass Nectar instead. Ooh. And I was just like, what the fuck is that? What are you what? talking about? <laughs> you skipped out on Dead Mouse? Like, I was kind of like, dude, what are you talking about? And then later, you know, I, you know, got into Bass Nectar and whatnot. But it's just funny because, like, you don't, if you don't have a festival like that. Yeah or some kind of shows like you're never gonna experience that and yeah you know it's that's like the one of the biggest reasons where i started making music because like Lollapalooza, just going to shows and seeing how powerful live music electronic like bassy music sounds on a big system what was what was your first show Dude, my first show is it should have been Fallout Boy, but it was The Fray. What? And really? Yeah, I always talk about this as like I hate it, but Whoa. it's cool. Yeah, it was at Northerly Island. Oh, uh, that I mean that's a cool spot. Though. It was a cool yeah. That's like Belle Isle for Detroit pretty much. Okay. Yeah, it's like kind of a similar vibe. Word. Word. I mean, almost yeah. Honestly, really good comparison, those two. Word. Well, the fray was like good from what I remember, you know, but it was the fray. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like edgy. But like when I went to go see some like crazy electronic music, I was way more world changed. Yeah. I mean, the fray is, uh, the fray is a great band, but, yeah. you know, comparing the fray to electronic music is just like, uh, the fray might be many like pre electronic bands, I would say. You know, even Blink-182, Fall Out Boy. um, Uh Like, you could sit down at the show and enjoy it. But you listen... Do you think that... I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say, do you think the fray at the time was, like, more industry than... uh, Well, it's the comparison. I'm just saying, like, the fray at the time, the industry was, like, we know what we can do with them. I think I want to say the fray was probably alternative for I I don't I don't want to say the fray was a uh, uh, yeah industry at all I honestly well, definitely alternative but like you know I'm sure the industry got its hands in like all the alternative stuff oh yeah I mean the it's, industry big the industry in, that's big the industry. most vague term <laughs> I love it um, but you know what I mean like I just like you know remember how we used to or I don't know if you did this but like before school there would be just the top 10 and it'd be like the same thing for like an entire week. 
I know. And you'd be like all American rejects. <laughs> you'd be yeah. like, dude, fuck you. Yeah, now I can go I to know. school. <laughs> <laughs> like three days grace or just like, uh, or like fall out boy dance, dance. You're like, bro, yeah, that's good. Straight up. That, that song is a banger to this day though. Yeah, no, for sure. Like killer. That bass line at the beginning of the song. Just Wow. Yeah, like you probably hear anyone listening right now. You're just like, oh yeah, I know it's it's a banger. Yeah, just like I want to sing it now. That bass line (laughs) gets you ready to sing. You're just like, she said she's no good. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh fuck. Like, I want to sing to it, but I I just don't have the vocal range. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to like go down the. conspiracy side but i just want we need to do a little closing on movement really quick yeah, yeah, yeah. like I, I don't know what it is i don't know what the closing is Honestly, but i just i want to go is basically what i'm saying yeah i'll say you know definitely definitely check out movement if you haven't been yeah. um it's it's a, a festival that is a huge staple of detroit if you're not familiar with the scene there and like the city itself is like really proud of that for sure festival um, whereas I feel like Chicago has been, at least recently, there are festivals, even like Spring Awakening, Chicago's like, maybe you guys uh, aren't going to do it this year. You know what I mean? Like they yeah, keep, they didn't. Yeah. yeah, they, well, they keep moving them around, right? Yeah. And they're like making new, they're like rebranding. I feel like it's like what clubs do. They're like, all right, we're going to yeah. just like change our name. Chicago just has a, uh, I love the city. Don't get me wrong, but it just has a, it's a bigger city. And so it has a different feel to it. Yeah. And so t- tell me about like. Colorado and that whole oh. thing because yeah. my man yeah. moving to Colorado. Yeah, uh, heading on to Red Colorado. Rocks. Zone. Yeah, I'm super stoked just to be by Red Rocks. Um, one of my biggest, biggest influences besides uh, some of the artists I grew up with is Pretty Lights. And Pretty Lights, uh, Derek Vincent Smith, I believe, kind of yeah. grew up around that area and, and cut his teeth in the Red Rocks setting. and. It's such a vibe. That venue, Red Rocks. I've only been once, and I went uh, straight up. I went uh, earlier in in the year. Oh, it might have been last year, actually, but I totally forget. But I went for a comedy show. I went for. Uh, I went to go see Bill Burke, dude. But still, for oh that comedy show, God. it was absolutely incredible. It was like you would walk and just a couple steps, and the music would cut off, or not the music, but the the acoustics the vocals would cut off and then you'd walk backwards retrace your steps and you'd hear it perfectly like Mm -hmm. acoustics were top notch it was insane yeah that's how i feel i feel like it would make his voice even more oh just like you felt it in your your soul yeah the acoustics i've been there one time yeah it's It's, it's amazing good it's good (laughs) i'm i'm kind of going there like i want to basically like that's a really good venue just to like uh, it would be a dream to play at Red Rocks. We'll see. You know, fingers crossed if I ever get to do it one day. But um, that'd be so cool. That'd be so dope. Yeah. So dream. tell me like more about like Colorado too. Like you got Red Rocks, which is sick as fuck. But like outdoors. Yeah, outdoors. Yeah, outdoors. they got them grizzly bears. Oh, also, we're gonna splice in your Pretty Lights remix. Best oh yeah, we, we doing yeah, the Pretty Lights. That's oh, the time. Oh, but oh, we're oh. just gonna splice it in because, fuck, you know.
Yeah, uh, if you want to yeah. talk about that, actually, like, yeah. we're going to play it. Like, if there was anything you want to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I worked. Uh, there's the Pretty Re- uh, Pretty Lights Finally Moving remix was one of the songs that I pitched to music blogs. And I got some responses and feedback from some pretty big blogs. Um, they wanted money for the PR and basically to promote it. And I just, I did not have the cash at the time. I was like, I was a young kid. I was a college freshman and I was like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. You guys are asking money to premiere this? It was a weird. Uh, yeah. It was the, you know. You're like, is this what I have to do? It was, uh, you know, and I again, I don't want to throw shade, but this was my experience at the time. Uh, I kind of went down a rabbit hole learning about EDM.com as a company. Uh, and, you know, this is actually something in their history, something that, you know, there are some articles about it. They called it like the Slingshot PR campaign. And you would basically pay them X amount of money and they'd quote unquote slingshot that across different networks and SoundCloud and... Um, I was just, truly just a young kid, and I was like, "What?" But their their demographic they were aiming at record labels who had the cash flow to do something like that, and so they would be like, "Hey, Ultra Music Record Label, you guys have ten thousand dollars in your budget. <laughs> do you want to pay for this?" But um, no, like it, it the remix like got. Uh, I heard back from the Glitch Hop blog, and they're like, "Oh, yo, we we want to premiere this too," but I just. It never premiered on that channel because uh, I couldn't pay for the PR of it. Yeah. It's really interesting, yeah. I think that's a, that's a good way to transition into kind of just like tokenized music. I wanted to talk to you about this, just like how the blockchain can help musicians. It's, I think we're going to... I think we're going to go back in a digital way back to kind of what vinyl was. So you'd pay for a record or you paid for a CD. It would cost like $12 or so. We're kind of going that way already. Like artists don't make that much off streaming, off of millions of dollars or off of millions of plays they do. But if you buy something on the blockchain, a tokenized asset, a decentralized iTunes music store, that's kind of what we're heading towards. Yeah, we're just going full circle. Truly, like the music industry, you know, we have these ten-year. Mm-hmm. Now it's cycles. like Napster again. Yeah, like <laughs> it's. Uh, I'm trying to think like what what would be the catalyst for Napster. I I I don't know if we've hit that point yet or if it's yeah. happening right now. But I'm no, it's too foreign right now. Yeah, so, uh, but there will be a catalyst like Napster. But I heard there's this thing where it's like, you know, twenty percent of like early adopters happen and then there's this point of inflection where like quickly after that like 80 they get like 80 percent yeah and of the adopters so certain things can just catch fire really quick because the technology is there and authenticated i'm really hoping because my prediction truly is that over time the value of intellectual property whether it be you could call it content music movies um that's just going to go up in value over time. Whereas you think of 
uh, an asset like a car uh, that has like a depreciating value. Uh, so you know, we previously talked about how it's like way earlier in this conversation, we were like, you know, if you make a really good song, a really long song that people really like, that, oh, yeah. that will appreciate in value over time. Like uh. they gravitate towards that. Um, something that like it's like an anthem, like a ballad, like yeah. just like people's. It's like a journey, a piece for that. I don't know. Like they they yeah. want like they'll it's like the North Star. <laughs> exactly. It's like a they'll have it played at their wedding or yeah. If they're yeah. feeling down, the, like. Even yeah, though, like legitimately will make your brain feel better. You're just like, oh, it like brings you through these series of emotions and memories that you had. And like somehow that motion like heals you. It like takes your mind on a little ride. Yeah. Like shouts out to your tune Zorba's Turn Up because that's a <laughs> Zorba's Turn Up. Dude, we got to put Zorba's Turn Up there. <laughs> That's gonna be a great point about it. Uh, anyway, but that, that is a banger, though. I'm not gonna lie; that is a banger, and I'm just like, I have that in my head right now as mm-hmm. a melody because I hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's just something, you know, like good music, good content. The technology will take a lot of time to develop, but I, I do think it's gonna appreciate over time. Yeah, for sure. So, like, do you think it could be? I'm the artist. I like pay for this service and then people can access my music through like buying little bits of it. Like, is that like, hopefully we're kind of at a stage where it's, you know, we're, we're still at a point where it's so like test, test phasey. Uh, the use cases are low. Yeah. Basically, uh, people and artists are selling NFTs and, and stuff that are like 30 seconds of audio. Um, I mean, that's not that great. Uh, you know, hopefully the technology will develop to the point where you can basically have a decentralized iTunes music store where there's no intermediary like iTunes that is able to up the prices yeah. or lower the prices based on their needs. Uh, it would be based on the artist needs. And it's it's really, the technology isn't there for music yet. There are some yeah. companies, I know Deadmau5 actually has a blockchain-based uh, streaming service. I'm forgetting the name of it, though. But uh, Deadmau5 is at the uh, current forefront of that right now, okay. which is wild to... Think I was saying, like, yeah, I mean, it sounds like there's a model where you can, like, buy an NFT and then you can contract that out or whatever like you can you can own part of it whatever you can own the whole thing but then there would also be this other version where it's just like you own that song and you feed that like code into whatever the streaming service that would accept that would be and we would hope that like that would become universal right like it would be cool if like spotify was like all right fine yeah you guys took control (laughs) (laughs) not gonna happen but like, or maybe who knows? But anyway, if you could just like work with them more, I don't know. and it's I guess it's more along the lines of becoming your own distributor and completely owning your own content. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I don't know what distributor you use right now. I use now. DistroKid. This, yeah, same. I use DistroKid as well. The leaps and bounds DistroKid, like you, anyone can be their own distributor mm-hmm. to their own music. You, but it's complicated. I will say it's not perfect because, like, do you pay thirty dollars to keep your song on there forever? Because that's an option when you yeah. go to distribute something. It's like we're gonna keep this. Forever, which I don't even understand how that works. What if DistroKid goes out of business? Does everything that yeah, the technology I mean, is just bought, or like, you so, know what I mean? There's a lot of things where it's like thirty bucks to keep it on there forever. Like, yeah, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, I've, and if you owned all your all your own stuff, it would be like your own liability. Like if your network went down, like your computer, or what, I don't know, man. It's just like it's a different beast. It's a weird. And I we're at a weird point right now with like music and content um, mm-hmm. that yeah we're definitely at like the early adopter phase. There's a lot of leaders who are, are leading the pack, doing some cool stuff, uh, but some people are. Um, some people are making a lot of money right now just doing that. I think that'll probably be in the short term what they're doing. Uh, in the long term, I don't know if there's longevity in the current technology. I think the the better technology is being built. Um, and hopefully we'll see some better decentralized, more more ownership towards the creator, uh, more empowerment towards the creator in the coming years, um, rather than music services paying, basically controlling the monetization of your content. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is basically the advertisers controlling that content. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I really gotta pee right now. Yeah, go pee. Go pee. We'll pause. But I wanna make a bunch of them. We're probably the, going deep. Into this is going to be a hard cut. People are going to be like, what just happened? We just took like <laughs> an hour off pod, but we're back. But we were talking about, Austin, you organized an event in the city of Detroit in like a little park. Yeah. So honestly, uh, probably one of the biggest like learning lessons I had in music was um, just to put on my own event. Um you know, I had gone to uh, the downtown area of the city. You know, I grew up in uh, Farmington all the time, you know, right 15, 20 minutes outside of Detroit. Yeah. Um, super close, Detroit metro area, uh, super close to the city. Really just kind of looking at what Bob Lemon and uh, Cat Like Thief and uh, DJ KC, Ecstasy, all these people they were doing, you know, on their own uh, accord, just at parties and uh, just... Mm-hmm. You know, these independent parties, you know, just kind of things. Yeah. I was just trying to uh, replicate that in a, a in a downtown center. Yeah. Um, and I just, 
I went to the downtown office at the city. I went to like the, the government building and, uh, and I grabbed a form and I just, I applied uh-huh. and I got a response. Wait, what'd you call your festival? It was called, uh, it was called downtown without any of the vowels. D W N T W N, uh, downtown 2013. And then we got asked to do it for 2014 again. Ooh. That's yeah. sick. Like, it was so, dope. It was dope. Yeah. What kind of did you have like DJ sets or was it like it was not gonna lie, it was it was kind of janky. Was there like a clown or like <laughs> <laughs> it was uh like really kind of learning how to do this stuff. Um mm. it was uh three acts, a uh, little bit of time. We sold um rubber wristbands, um like Livestrongs? Yeah, basically. I fuck yeah, literally like Livestrongs with uh, downtown on them. Uh, we sold those as tickets. I forget what the price were. Uh, the price was for those tickets, but um, a lot of my friends really helped me out with the kind of getting those tickets out to different um, districts in the uh, you know the metro area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the artists I was working for. Uh, let's see, the... Uh, First year it was Capped, uh, Cap Wolf, uh, which was a rap group uh, I met uh, in high school. Uh, went to high school in Detroit. Uh, they were super cool people, so I had them uh, play. Then uh, at the time, Bob Lemon was in a group called Jack. Um, and that was a group with uh, uh, Cat Like Thief, Alex Trimmer, and uh, Gina Ashudo. She was an uh, American Idol runner up for one of the years. Oh damn! Yeah, like pretty wild. Uh, 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 Bob Lemon's got some uh, some interesting anecdotes about his music career. Um, you know, Jack's uh, EP was pretty incredible. So I was like, "Yo, let's do this thing!" Uh, and then, yeah, I closed the night uh, as Chris Cloud at the time. And then 2014, it was, um, I believe it was myself. Uh, Bob Lemon, who at the time was going by Moonchild. Oh. And Yo, we gotta get Bob on. I know. It's like, like we I, gotta zoom in or something. I texted yeah, I texted him before and he he knows this is happening. So I'll, I'll send him the link after and Word. he'll uh, yeah. He's Word. Yeah. <laughs> who was the headliner? Uh so I, this is uh I mean I feel like I, I headlined every single time just because I, I put in so much work. Oh yeah. Looking at this now, I'm just like, <laughs> I don't think I should have headlined. Was um, it a good set though? I put a lot of time and effort in myself. I'm not, okay, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I was pretty proud of it, but I was just mashing buttons at that time, and it was uh, learning like how to do a festival is difficult. I mean, we broke even on it, um, but it's not like we made That's... any money. And there's some like, in, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, there's. There was a point where it, it was kind of cool. Uh, my grandma at the time, she saw me on like local access TV because uh, oh. I was like pitching this to the uh, you know city council at the time, and so like I had to go and go to a city council meeting and pitch this event, and that, <laughs> that was so embarrassing. Like it was uh, it was tough. I had to like get on this podium and like yeah. pitch this idea with other things happening for the city at the time. And they were like, I just, I, I honestly expected just like pitch the event. And then they were like throwing some questions and things. Oh, and you were like, and I was like, a minute. yeah, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't, gotta keep 
TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I and at the time, like, it felt like I, I'm pretty sure my face was just like going beat red because I I'd never done anything on and you're like the like red light of the cameras on yeah. just like what's going on? it was so nerve-wracking unprepared your grandma saw it that was like, <laughs> that was like the I only know. people that saw it was like your grandma and like other older people <laughs> truly yeah um you know shout out to the uh city manager at the time vincent uh Paschew, uh really uh, really facilitated that uh in a great way um and you know, all the artists that, that worked on and, and helping with that event, that was super great. Um, yeah. But that was, it was difficult. Uh, it was it was tough to really pull that off. It was nerve-wracking. And we actually got, I'm very proud of this. Uh, it was the first time I'd actually gotten like press from an independent blog. It was just like a local blog. But uh, mm-hmm. if you search my name, and there's this uh, blog called Kickstart Farmington, and they have like a pretty small piece about I want to say the first or the second event, and it's like a, a an interview with me about it. And it's looking back on it now, it's like embarrassing. Just to you make. should sample. Is there audio? It's it's all just like written. Oh, okay, but um, you know, I was I was in high school at the time, so you know, I was just like. We're doing an event. Bro, Come it just sounds like you were trying to like make waves, like get some movement yeah. going, like get some, see if something will work. Yeah. That's, that's honestly, cool. that's what it was. A lot of it inspired by like movement festival and, you know, Bob Lemon and, uh, you know, the V, they called themselves the uh, uh, Raver 248 crew, uh, you know, Viva La Raver mm. kind of vibes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun. I, I, I honestly, I grew up with a, a really good crew of music producers looking back on it now. And uh, yeah, that was, was good times. Learning lessons, a lot of them. Bro, I want Bob Lemon to be Bob Lime. Like that's his alter ego. <laughs> oh, that like DJ like, Hansel? Yeah. Dylan Francis? Like Von Deepa. <laughs> what would, what would uh, uh, Lime be then? Trap. <laughs> oh, you think so? <laughs> Because he's going house right now, so that would be... No, no, no. See, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know him. <laughs> I just picture, like, there being a Bob Lime. I mean, Trap would be kind of great for that vibe. 100%. Because sour-er. Like, limes are a little bit tart. Yeah. More tart. Something to, like, drop sour. it low, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the lime is smaller than the lemon, so there was more to pack into less space. And that's my theory on limes. Yeah. <laughs> Deeper meanings there. Yeah. Nah, bro. Uh, I don't know Bob Lemon, but I'd love to have him on the podcast. Wink, wink. <laughs> no, Shouts out Bob Lemon again, like for the 50th time. Yeah, that's great. Been, man. Great man. Had a lot of good shout outs. Um, you know, I also, I think, uh, I think we've done a lot here. And I think that uh, we could bring this to an end, but I want to finish with one other question kind of similar to what we started with which is you know we know what your first concert was yeah but what was what has been your favorite concert that i've throughout this life that i've put on or just been a part of either um the favorite my favorite event that i've actually been a part of was um an event by Funhouse uh, Entertainment. Um, 
They put on an incredible show uh, with Clark Street Collective. Uh, yeah. Yeah, were you at the... The, the house? Like the fun house? Yeah. It was I a, played that one. Were you at the I event too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was such a... Like I yeah. was going back to back with um, Cat Like Thief in one of the rooms. Dude, you were next door. I didn't even know. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. What? I So we didn't meet. Cause that was, I no, yeah, I don't know. So don't we met so. in that w- was that 2017. Dude, that was a sick house party, but that it was, was like more than a house party. I mean, that was they had a cool place. That was such a fun vibe. I mean, yeah. truly, uh, uh, Drew, uh, Noah, and Greg uh, at Funhouse just like yeah. made that event what it was. It was just in Clark Street Collective. Dude, that event was really iconic. Like I remember later DJ, a friend that I met through this podcast and didn't even know that I had met him earlier was like I was DJing in that room next to you and That's he wild. was dancing and he's such a good dancer. And Andy, my girlfriend was videotaping and was like, "Look at these dancers. Like they were loving your music." I was like, "Fuck yeah." And then later I met DJ and I was like, "Bro, you kill it." No, that was like a memorable night, truly. Um, that's wild that you were... Yeah, we were both performing. That yeah. was a really cool night. Yeah, I agree with that. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. I I feel like if there's any shout-outs you want to... <laughs> we've done a lot of them. Thank you all. Uh, honestly, I, I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, Jerry. Shout-out to uh, Just Jerry, super dope person. Uh, thank you for having me. Thanks, brother. Uh, it's no, I mean, honestly, I feel like I've shouted out uh, so many people, and I'll just yeah. end with that. And if y'all want to check out my music, my final name, my final form is Dada. It's just a period AU. You can check me out on Spotify and uh, Apple Music. Peace and love, y'all. <laughs>